I'll begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity, one of my absolute favorite writings of Master. Please close your eyes. From the depths of slumber, as I ascend the spiral stairway of wakefulness, I will whisper, God, God, God. Thou art the food, and when I break my fast of nightly separation from Thee, I will taste Thee and mentally say, God, God, God. No matter where I go, the spotlight of my mind will ever keep turning on thee, and in the battle din of activity, my silent war cry will be, God, God, God. When boisterous storms of trials shriek, and when worries howl at me, I will drown their noises, loudly chanting, God, God, God. When my mind weaves dreams with threads of memories, then on that magic cloth will I emboss God, God, God. Every night, in time of deepest sleep, when my peace dreams and calls joy, 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 and my joy comes singing evermore, God, God, God. In waking, eating, working, dreaming, sleeping, serving, meditating, chanting, divinely loving, my soul will constantly hum, unheard by any, God, God, God. It would be a very, very good idea to memorize that poem and repeat it over and over again. We're going to talk mainly about attitude this morning. Jesus, as a Master or Swami was saying in the reading, um, Jesus rebuked Martha, not for what she was doing, but for the attitude with which she was doing. He said, Martha, Martha, thou art care-filled about many things. Care-filled seems a little antiquated. So, Martha, Martha, thou art fussy and worried about many things. <laughs> so, even while she was cooking for the others, she was worried about herself. She was wondering why Mary didn't help her and so on. We went into that more last week. So this week, we want to go into the question of attitude. And attitude is a basic disposition or leaning of our consciousness or of our uh, perception of things. And attitudes are trainable. In fact, they are trained. They found that in, um, in Ireland, where the Catholics and the Protestants were at war, that the children of either a Protestant or a Catholic would learn to hate the other before the age of three. 
And so those attitudes of the parents were, in this case, poisonous attitudes, were imposed upon or offered to the child, and the child learned those attitudes. And the more we practice those attitudes, the easier they become. In fact, there's a charming video that some of our friends sent us from India. And it's a young Indian boy, about seven or eight years old. And he seems very mature. We later found out that he probably memorized this talk of a motivational speaker. But nonetheless, it was absolutely charming. And so here's this little eight-year-old saying, what do you practice? Whatever you practice, you'll become very good at it. Do you practice joy? Do you practice love? Do you practice peace? If so, you'll become very good at it. Or do you practice worry? If you practice worry, you'll become very good at worrying. You'll become so good at worrying that soon you will be worrying about the buffalo you do not own. And it goes on. <laughs> but behind that is a deep truth. Whatever attitudes we practice, we will become very good at those attitudes. And there's brain circuitry. Dr. Peter could give a much better explanation, but think of a, a circuit of neurons that become like a racetrack and pretty soon you get that racetrack very, very easy for the thought to go around. And so if you begin to think of a worry racetrack, anything that sparks off any concern sends your thoughts around in that worry racetrack. And it goes around and around. I was just, this morning, someone mentioned that she has repetitive thoughts over and over again of worry about a son that's in Israel and she can't seem to get out of this. Well, we've all experienced something of the sort that those repetitive thoughts go around and around and around and as that racetrack, as that neuronic pathway becomes more used the signals travel faster and faster and easier and easier. And this is just the way God has set up the life for us, that that which we do repetitively, we, life is so complex that we need habit patterns in order to make it simplified for us. So if you had to think about how to take the next step, Every time you had to walk, life would be impossible. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't walk, or if you tried to walk, you couldn't do anything else but that. So walking goes into muscle memory, and we can just walk without ever thinking about walking. And we're thinking about everything else. But So those habit patterns are, are very valuable for us to function in this world, but if the wrong habit patterns are there, 
they help us to practice again and again those wrong habit patterns. Swami said that Master didn't have any habits. He said it was astounding that every time he sat to tie his shoes, he would tie them in a different way. Isn't that interesting? That his consciousness was so free and so vast that he didn't need those those habit patterns, those muscle memory things. One time he said that um, uh, because he was constantly going to dinners and, uh, you know, as someone said about Ananda ministers also, we eat for a living. <laughs> but he was he was going to these dinners and in America he was often served coffee. And so he grew fond of a taste for coffee. And he said, I realized that that was becoming a habit. So I said, no more coffee. And I didn't drink coffee after that. Now, I know that sounds like a horror story to <laughs> some of you. I personally am very grateful that he didn't say that about tea. <laughs> Nonetheless, we get these habits and they become practiced over and over and over again, and then our life becomes constrained by those habits. And it's very hard to break out of that little bubble of the habits that we have, that we've, that we've practiced. But most of that is, although uh, relatively benign, nonetheless, it's there. But we don't have to worry about it mostly, but there are some habits, some habitual ways of thinking that really hold us back in terms of our spiritual progress. And these habitual ways of thinking are generally the expressions of the lower three chakras. The lower three chakras are, one could call them the basic instincts of life. And we're trying, as devotees, it's not that these things are evil. Things like, well, we can think that greed is evil. But is greed evil in a squirrel that's trying to bury 30,000 acorns so that he has a supply in the winter? So all the way down into the kind of fundamental foundation of creation are these deep, deep instincts. So they aren't evil, they aren't bad in and of themselves, but they're limiting because you and I are trying to achieve moksha. We're trying to get out of the bubble of this virtual reality as we were talking about the other day, but of Maya, of this dream world. And so those deep instinctual patterns that are there in order to keep creation going, if we're trying to escape creation, then they become something that we need to battle against. As Uma was saying yesterday, it doesn't matter kind of how high you're floating, as Swami might say, in the uh, specific gravity, how high your consciousness is floating, wherever it is, there's still a down and still an up. 
and we're on that borderline where something is trying to pull us down and something is trying to pull us up. And so coming back to habits, habitual habits, there are habits in your life that are trying to pull your consciousness down and there are others that are trying to pull your consciousness up. And so our job is what do you practice? Do you practice those habits that are pulling your consciousness down? Or do you have practice those habits that are pulling your consciousness up? And so as devotees, our work is to keep moving our consciousness toward those things that lift us up into the light. So how do we do that? It's one thing to say, this is, this is the way to do it. But there are a couple of ways that are really helpful. One is to realize that the habits or the thoughts always follow the energy. And so there is a downward moving energy and an upward moving energy. And that downward moving energy will cause us to have negative thoughts and produce negative habits. The upward moving energy will cause us to have the opposite and move us toward freedom. And Master said that those, that consciousness, that, that vibration, we don't create it ourselves. We tune into it. Thoughts are universally, not individually rooted. So depending on what you tune into, that's what is going to be playing. So the first thing to remember is where do you have the dial of your consciousness tuned to? One time, our friend Diana was walking with someone and that person was complaining and griping about this and wasn't happy with that. And uh, anyway, after a little while, Diana says, what station are you tuned into? <laughs> but think of that as the cure. When those things are going around, don't think I am this. Don't even think I think this way. Think what station am I tuned into? And is that station making me happy? Because if you stay tuned to that station, you're not going to escape the thoughts that come with that station. So if, you're, if in your mind you have had, let's say somebody questioned your behavior or questioned your wisdom or questioned whatever about you, and you're sitting to meditate, and now you're carrying on a complete conversation with that person. First of all, they're obviously wrong. <laughs> and I would have told them that at the time, but I didn't think of this clever answer. And so you run out about a hundred clever answers. And then you think of all the reasons that you are right. Well, be assured that when your mind goes into that, 
the reason that you're doing that is that you know that you're wrong and you're practicing self-defense to hold your consciousness there. So what station are you tuned into? You aren't going to fix it by staying on that same station and somehow changing the program because that station, that is the programming. So if you're watching a soap opera or you're participating in a soap opera and you want to stop, you don't stop by having more pages of dialogue. You stop by turning off the television set or changing the station. So change the station. When you find that a pattern is going on that you don't want in yourself or that you feel is destructive to your peace of mind or your, your uh, well-being or your spiritual advancement, then change the station. That's the first thing. And you have the power to do that because you also chose the station that you're listening to. So it's not like somebody's imposing that on you. If you think that, then that's part of the self-defense mechanism that you're using to not have to deal with whatever that issue is in your life. And so when you find yourself ruminating about something that you want to change, then change the station. So how, how do you change the station? You know, it's one thing to click off a television or get the remote and, and click up the channels, but it's not so easy because we're talking generally those things that bother us are the basic instinctual downward pulling elements that that are fundamental in the creation of this world, in the creation of Maya. And as I say, we're trying to escape that downward pull. So the way to change the station in this case is that we have to put out the opposite and opposing energy to whatever that station is playing in our consciousness. So in this case, we're trying to be, in the case I was saying, we're sitting there in meditation thinking how bad this person was, how wrong they were. Uh, and, and we don't even like the way they dress or walk. And, you know, and, and so this mental criticism is going over and over again. So we've already heard a number of solutions to this during the week. First of all, that station has a location in your consciousness, in your spine. And those stations that are downward pulling are almost always located in the lower three chakras. So one of the first things to do is bring your energy up to a higher consciousness. And we can do that simply by breathing. By breathing, you can bring your energy up. We can do it by posture, simply by standing up straight and bringing your shoulders back, your energy will rise. By slumping, it's going to drop. They did an experiment where typically a person going in for a job interview, if you're in a waiting room, what is the posture of that person? They've got their cell phone out. They're sitting in a chair. 
they're slumped down looking at their cell phone and then they go into the interview they said the most powerful thing you can do is go into the bathroom and for two minutes practice the superwoman pose <laughs> and you do that for two minutes and then they could trace that you were something like 85 percent more more certain to get a positive job interview than if you've been slumped for the, the two minutes. So, so our physical body is part of this mechanism. Master said that if you're sad, do you remember what he said? Push, push the corners of your mouth up because a smile will change the circuits in your, in uh, these, these habit pattern, these circuits, because you'll find that those negative attitudes and negative states are associated also with negative posture and negative ways of moving and being. So get out, breathe, walk, get your energy going. Master and Swami both, the first step when they were trying to help somebody was they thought, how can I get this person's energy going? And so they would grasp on anything that was positive in that person and get them, get them moving in a positive direction. So the first step is to get your energy moving in a positive direction and then to bring it to the higher centers. So by deep breathing, that brings the energy up. Do two minutes of Hong Saw or 30 seconds of Hong Saw and you will change the station that you're tuned into. So just these simple little things will help greatly. Now with a specific attitude, what you want to do is you want to counter it with the opposite attitude. And whatever you practice, you're going to get good at. And so when that station starts playing, money worries to you, then say to yourself, I go forth in perfect faith in the power of omnipresent good to bring me what I need at the time I need it. Say that three times. Every time the station starts playing, I'm so worried about money, I'm so worried about this, I'm so worried about that. Or even for other people, I'm so worried about my son in Israel. I go forth in perfect faith in the power of omnipresent good to bring him what he needs at the time he needs it. So worry is counteracted by faith. Greed is counteracted by giving. There was a beautiful story of, uh, that we heard Mother Teresa say, tell. She said that there was a time in Calcutta of a famine, and so she had her nuns go out into the poor districts and poor homes and bring rice to the people. And she said one of the nuns came back and said that I had a remarkable thing happen, Mother. She said, I brought rice to this woman, and she and her family, her children, she and her family and her children were on the verge of starvation.
But when she got that bag of rice, she divided it in half and said, please take this half to my neighbor because she also is in the same dire straits. Now, Mother Teresa said, I'm not surprised that she, that she helped her neighbor because that's a very common thing. But for someone to be in such dire straits and to be thinking of someone else, that's a remarkable thing. So when you start feeling that you don't have enough, give away half of what you have to someone else. That changes the station, and you no longer will be playing that station. If you continue to do this, you can't do it just once and expect that you're done. You have to practice. Whatever you practice, you'll get good at. You have to practice generosity if you have a tendency to stay in the station of worry and greed. And so practice that which is opposite to what is, is haunting you because that downward current is countered by the opposite and equal upward current. And finally, I read this with a purpose not just to amuse the turkeys. <laughs> Isn't it nice that they chime in too? Did you hear the, the bullfrog earlier chanting Om to you? So all of nature chimes in. But this God, 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 that is Master's recipe for changing your station. From the depths of slumber as I ascend the spiral stairway of wakefulness, I will chant God, 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 or sometimes he said God, Christ, Guru. When I break my fast of nightly separation from you, I will taste thee and mentally say God, God, God. So as you come awake, let your mind come up to the spiritual eye and chant God, Christ, Guru. When you receive anything, food being the example that he used, this is God sustaining your life. So taste him and mentally say, God, 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 thank you. And the spotlight of my mind will ever keep turning on you in the battle din of activity. My silent war cry will be God, God, God. So all of us have activity. It isn't the battle din of activity is not a factory. It's whatever we're doing. It's Martha cooking in the kitchen. It's us talking with somebody. In the midst of that, always have in the back of your mind, but especially when things get difficult and opposing, when there's a battle din, then chant, God, God, God. So always keep returning your mind. Practice this, and you'll get good at it. Return your mind to God, 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 or God, Christ, Guru. So anytime that something keys off a downward pull, 
counter that downward pull by chanting three times, God, Christ, Guru. Stand up straight, put your shoulders back, breathe deeply, chant God, Christ, Guru, and bring your energy to the spiritual eye. That will change your station. And finally, I want to end with this thought that it's not so much that we change our thoughts. That isn't really our responsibility. What we want to do is allow God into us. Remember last night we said that Swami said repeatedly toward the end of his life, I don't know where I leave, where Swami Kriyananda leaves off and Master begins. That's because he brought Master's consciousness into his consciousness to replace his. I used to do a little demonstration. I didn't have the materials here, but it starts with a glass about two-thirds filled with Coke, Coca-Cola. And how do you get rid of that? Then you have a stirrer and you stir that around. I'll get rid of that by stirring it around. So you have a negative thought. I'll get rid of that negative thought by stirring it around. Didn't work. Still the Coke there. Oh, I know. I'll get rid of it by adding more Coke to it. I'll get rid of my negativity by adding negativity to it. That didn't work either. And it's best done if you have two levels so from underneath you can pull out the solution to it and it's a pitcher of clear water and you pour that in and that because the coke is lighter the coke rises to the top spills over and after a few seconds you have pure water so when you have toxic fluid pour in pure fluid when you have toxic thoughts pour in pure thoughts, and those thoughts will drive out the negative ones. And I'll just end with the thought that there are two or three absolutely critical positive patterns to develop. The first is gratitude. If you can develop gratitude and practice gratitude, it will absolutely change your life. The second is the presence of the Guru. If you can remember that the Guru or God is already within you, his consciousness will replace that dark consciousness within you. I had a beautiful experience last night. We were, and I'm, it's still lingering, I must say, because we were talking about Swami and his beautiful qualities and and being in that uplifted state, I felt such deep love for every person. It was both personal and impersonal at the same time. As I looked out, and I still feel it, just as soon as my eyes lit on someone, I felt this deep sense of love. That love isn't mine. It's God's love, and it resides within us if we tune in to that station and practice it. We're going to play Invocation to the Woodland Devas. 